the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, so our first guest today, and I, 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 he's dancing in his kitchen right now, all right? He's dancing. I'm just telling Dr. Uh, Todd Patton is dancing right now. He's the chair of the Department of Mental Health and Wellness and the uh, Ken Clary College of Education, Harding University. Doc, how old were you in 1977, or were you even born in 1977? Oh. Yeah, no, I was seven, and I was listening to that. <laughs> that got your hips going, didn't it? I mean, uh-huh. you I'm remember 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 Travolta was walking across the Brooklyn Bridge, and "Staying Alive" was the piece of music that was playing. I think, hey, Aaron, today uh, I don't know if you know very many over the next oh about seven years, disco ruled caused all kinds of problems, too. I mean, they had a big death-to-disco record night at Comiskey Park with the Chicago White Sox where they blew up this huge pile (laughs) of disco (laughs) records. And uh, the rock and rollers, you know, they hated disco. And the bottom line was that uh, it caused a riot, of all things. It was crazy. That was when Captain Whammo, was the number one jock in Chicago, just so just so you'll know. All right, uh, Todd, how are you this morning? How's, how's things going for you? Doing pretty well. We're wrapping up the end of our semester here at Harding, and um, but it's going pretty well. Well, good. I'm glad. I know that all through this year, you all have unveiled all kinds of new master's programs at Harding mm-hmm. and I and I've been talking about Harding University in the uh, at looking at Harding University amongst other universities all across America and I honestly believe Harding University has really made some major step forwards of being one of the great educational institutes here in the United States. Now, I have to say, this is with, I'm going to be totally, you know, transparent here. My brother-in-law went to Harding. My daughter went to Harding. My niece went to Harding. My son-in-law went to Harding. And so I have a little bit of uh, a love affair with Harding University. It's a great University, you know what I mean. The background that you all have, as far as being a Christian university, but you have really made yourself uh, stellar with all of these new uh, programs that you've opened up. Yeah, yeah, we're really proud of it. We're proud of our students. We're proud of our our faculty, um, and uh, I think we make a difference. <clears throat> we're making a difference in the community and in the kingdom. So. Yeah, you really are. I agree wholeheartedly with you. So let's talk about uh, what's going on right now. Uh, talk about the Department of Mental Health and Wellness, and uh, what's this new program that you've got going? Tell us something about it. Okay, great. Well, you can find us at harding.edu slash mhw. Um, but our department, um, we're really about preparing counselors 
uh, who are Christians, uh, we, 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 it's not really Christian counseling, but it's, it's professional counseling through the eyes of Jesus. Um, and we're wanting to provide caring, compassionate, competent counseling services um, to our community. And so we've, we've had for a while our uh, flagship uh, master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. We've, we've been doing some version of that since 2002. Um, but in, in our marriage and family counseling, we've been doing longer than that. But we also have professional school counseling. We have a program, student affairs, that we have. And um, we have some educational specialist degrees for people that are that already have a master's that want to, to maybe get a license in another area. We can help people with that. Uh, one thing in particular that I uh, that's new that I'm proud of is our certificate in counseling skills. It's an 18-hour certificate program designed to equip preachers, youth ministers, mm. family ministers, church leaders, missionaries, lay leaders, maybe teachers, anyone that needs a little extra. It's not a licensure program, but maybe someone that needs some tools uh, and working with helping people with maybe marital issues, knowing when to refer to a counselor, parenting issues, um, kind of in a, in a church or ministry context or in a context other than the professional counseling relationship. And we want to offer that, we offer that um, distance or online. Well, so yeah. we're, we're, we're proud of that. Yeah, I got, I got to tell you, when I went to Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, I was looking to become a preacher, and I changed my mind about three years into the program, but I took every counseling program that was available to me uh, to be a, a pastor because I knew that a lot of my time would be spent, you know, sitting down and sitting across from people that were battling the battles of, of this world, uh, you know, that, that they had to deal with. But I cannot imagine today the things that pastors face where you've got families coming in and you've got a member of the family that says, hey, I don't identify as a male, I identify as a female, or, or vice versa, or somebody who says, you know, I, uh, I love, uh, I'm a furry, I, I, I love, uh, you know, mm-hmm. all of that kind of you know, you need some kind of of, of teaching, yeah. some new ways of dealing with this, because it's not biblical behavior from these people. And really, we want to get in there early and do prevention instead of just always reacting and doing intervention. Okay. And so uh, the more people that are equipped in ministry, that are equipped in the community, um, that are that have some of these skills, or at least know where to refer and point people to, can help with with prevention. Prevention is uh, is is a lot easier. And we do have um, we have the clinical mental health counseling program. We have the marriage and family counseling program, professional school counseling program, and all these places um, are are something that we can use to help people um, with with emotional and mental issues and also prevent those things. You know, in a church, by the time that an elder or a preacher or a pastor evangelist calls and says, I got somebody that needs counseling, it's it's pretty far down the road. 
Yeah, I I can uh, only imagine. Yeah, so we we would like to 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 offer uh, some help to to our churches and to our our community. You know, it's always been tough on pastors because they've they're the first line. They're, they're usually hit with mm-hmm. this stuff first, and uh, you know how 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 can you help them to prepare? For some of the things that are coming, because it it is really amazing what the world has embraced, and then what the church has also embraced. Well, I won't say yeah. the church, but people within the church have embraced. Well, first and foremost, you know, I think loving people and being non anxious in such a way to to go and be with those people, so that you can have some influence. These are the kinds of things, though, that we'll, we'll be talking about in our classes. Uh, so, for instance, in this certificate, uh, this graduate certificate in counseling skills, um, these are the very kinds of things that, that, that we'll be talking about. Um, and it really depends uh, on the situation. But, but having a, a preacher, pastor, an elder, someone that is a missionary, someone that has some confidence to go into those places and say, you know, I'm going to sit with you. I've got some things that I think that that can help you. I also know where my limits are, and I also know who to point you to. But at Harding, we want to have those conversations. Also, um, there's many of us here that that go into the churches and do uh, trainings and and can can help in, in those kinds of areas. So just just a shout-out to the community. We're here to help. So give us a call. Uh, you can find our information, at, like I said, at harding.edu forward slash MHW. And um, give, us, give one of us a call. You can find our email and our phone number there, and uh, we can chat about it. All right. It's uh, 16 after 6. Let's take our first break here, and then we'll come back, finish up our conversation. We're talking to Dr. Todd Patton, the chair of the Department of Mental Health and Wellness, Cannon Clary College of Education at Harding University. You all know how highly I speak of Harding. I think it's one of the best institutions in the state of of Arkansas, and I really like them because uh, they they uh, they grab at Scripture the ultimate truth to to look at ways of helping people battle the falsehoods of the world. So we'll talk about that as we come back. Uh, ICU uh, Protection wants you to know they want you to feel comfortable in your own home. These are the guys that do the uh, uh, protection for uh, Nuke One. If they can do that, they can protect your your living room and your house and uh, your uh, business. I know that I feel a lot more comfortable in my, my own skin, so to speak, uh, skin being my home uh, in Cabot. I know that the murder rate is up. I know break-ins are up. And I wanted to make sure that I was protected from that. So uh, I called Billy Mack. I sat down and talked with him. We got door and window sensors on. We've got cameras at my house. And we've got, uh, you know, motion detection so that if anybody tries to come in when I've, when I've set my, my house, uh, something's going to go off when you try to come through the wrong uh, you know, entryway without being invited. And you'll feel comfortable with that, and you'll be happy with that. And, and Billy Mack can show you how that can work. Now, with Billy Mack, 
uh, all of that hardware that they put on your on your uh, house is absolutely free. You don't have to pay for any of that. Uh, all you have to do is pay for your uh, service every month, and your service every month is no higher than any other uh, company that's out there offering this kind of uh, of coverage. I I really like uh, Billy Mack. He does it right. He he does it well, and he's a good Christian brother, and he'll take good care of you. You just need to give him a call five zero one two zero five. 1333 501-205-1333. It's Billy Mac and ICU Protection. All right, if you just joined us, Dr. Todd Patton is with us, chair of the Department of Mental Health and Wellness for Harding University. Want to get him back on with us. Did you hear what happened overnight, uh, doctor, just to throw some uh, tender on the fire here, talking about of uh, offering uh, counseling to folks. Cambridge Dictionary now has changed the definition of a male and a woman. Uh, a man is now defined as an adult who lives and identifies as male, though they may have been said to have a different sexual or different sex at birth. And it says the same thing uh, for uh, women. This is why we need the programs that you're talking about at Harding to help pastors, you know, walk through this minefield that we have in our in in our world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the kinds of uh, these are the kinds of deep and heavy conversations that we have in the classroom. Um, the one thing I can say is. Uh, you know, what, what I said earlier is as we approach individuals, um, we approach with, with love oh, yes. and, and, and caring. And so uh, we start there. But these are the kind of conversations, as you can imagine, that uh, we might spend entire class time speaking on and revisit over and over and over. It's, it's, it's things that, that, uh, that we discuss and wrestle with. Do you do you have? I know you say you go out and you talk to congregations. Do you do you run into this pro, uh, problem where they want you know a pastor may want you to just come in and and talk to his congregation about what is happening in in our culture today? A lot of times, yeah, I haven't had that recently, but a lot of times when we have had that, um, really, what is is desired is to have a conversation so people there can speak what they need to speak and say what they need to say. And luckily, you know, we have that kind of environment and with our beliefs, we, we have this foundation of truth that we can, that we can lean on. And it, it does make our jobs much easier. Yeah, there you go. You touched on, you touched on a big fire right there. You know what is truth? I mean, look, uh, that's been asked since the time of Christ's uh, crucifixion. You know what is truth? We all know what the truth is. Just so many people turn from it today. So how does this help? Just the the average person they they want a degree in something like this, so they want to be able to counsel people. How does this help them? Well, uh, it can help them a lot of different ways. They might have different uh, ways that they want to serve, different careers, paths that they want to take. Um, 
maybe someone's interested in doing uh, individual therapy, counseling with people, family therapy. We're, we're working with people suffering from various mental disorders and issues and relationship issues. And so we have that traditional type of, of therapy job. Uh, we have pastor people that, that go into to, uh, ministry that might use this as we've been talking about. Also, I would say that our degrees generally help people uh, with soft skills and dealing with, with, with other people. Uh, it teaches us how to listen. It teaches us uh, how to be present. So it can help people that are in administration, coaching, uh, people that are working in student affairs. We have a degree in student affairs. Uh, in helping young people uh, navigate uh, the academics um, and early career choices. Um, other people might go into communication, human resources, but I think this type of degree, <clears throat> excuse me, can help you in a wide range of things. And I've done a lot of things over the course of my, my career. Um, I would say too that one way that this can help is that our program, the Clinical Mental Health Counseling Program, and the professional school counseling program, those are 60-hour programs. Um, those are um, accredited through uh, KCREP. And, we, of course, we're accredited through the Higher Learning Commission, but we have a voluntary accreditation through KCREP. It's the Council for Accreditation um, Counseling and Related Educational Programs. And that helps us with uh, licensing and moving licenses from state to state portability of those licenses, but also um, per perhaps with insurance if we, we need to use that. Our marriage and family counseling program is going through that process now. Um, so we are, we're grateful for that. That helps us, you know, we have to navigate the, uh, we have to navigate this world and the laws of this world and we are, professional licensed professional counselors and licensed marriage and family therapists we're all professional but we do it through um, what we what we want to do is do it through the eyes of Jesus all right so I'm going to get you back on my show and have you join me for an hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Dr. Todd Patton, who's the chair of the Department of Mental Health and Wellness. People seem more open today to come in and, mm -hmm. and, and seek treatment. They understand that, uh, you know, the church can help them with those type of things. Let's get you on after the first of the year and we can talk about this and how, how it's changed because we're running out of time right now. For people who want more information about your programs, where do they go and what do they should what should they expect uh, to do? Well, you can find us at, at Harding's website, harding.edu. Um, you can navigate that, but harding.edu forward slash mhw will find our programs and you'll find our our email and our information and our phone numbers, and you can uh, contact us. You might have questions we can answer those questions you might say hey, hey look i was a business major i was this uh is is this possible for me to do that uh to do these programs yes we will take any kind of major we need mature confident self-aware people um but any undergrad major can 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 work for us we'll start you off from from ground zero here and uh we'll prepare you to go out into the field again it's harding.edu 
slash MHW. All right. Dr. Todd Patton, thank you for the time. Have a great day. Thanks for joining the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got news coming up. Let's get to that. Then when we come back, talking about the border on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so you know one of the great groups that I like to have on my show, and we do it locally here in Arkansas uh, with uh, Ryan Norris, who's the uh, chair of uh, the folks at Americans for Prosperity in Arkansas. Uh, we like to have the national chapter on as well, and we're going to do that today. Israel Ortega is going to join us, and we're going to talk about a very serious issue uh, that a lot of people – I saw on, on Twitter. I'll give you an example of this. Last night on my Twitter account, I was reading what people were posting, and some guy said, uh, wow, things are really bad, aren't they? Uh, those, all of those illegals aren't living in your garage. And and I, I kind of chuckled at it, and then I said, well, th- this just shows me how people really don't understand what's going on on the border. Because here's the bottom line about the border. If you don't have a border, there is a time coming when you will not have a nation. I mean, we've worked with FAIR for a long time here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Every year I go to hold their feet to the fire. I try to give you some insight into what's going on in the border, what those ranchers and the people who live down in New Mexico and California and Arizona and Texas are facing. And now, what something that I've been saying for many years, that their border is our border, is really coming to fruition as we've got people from all over the world flooding into our country. And I want to talk to Israel about that today because it's not getting better on the border. It's getting worse. And Israel, thanks for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, talk to me a little bit. I was reading some uh, poll numbers just the other day, and it said that uh, Hispanics are moving towards the Republicans because of our view of uh, what's going on on the border. But still, uh, we trail in the Southwest uh, with Hispanics, that they, they don't like particularly what the uh, Republicans are trying to do. Are you, are you finding that the case? Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, you talk to folks uh, in, in the, the Valley in, in Texas, uh, where I've traveled uh, several times this year, um, and, um, and, it, and it's clear that folks recognize that uh, they're in the front lines in terms of, of having to deal with a broken uh, immigration system. Um, you know, for so many years, uh, the federal government has abdicated its responsibility to, to try to fix uh, what's wrong with with our immigration system. Uh, there's a lot of political back and forth, uh, a lot of talking, a lot of introducing bills. But at the end of the day, nothing gets done. And 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 uh, you know, this is unsustainable. Uh, I, I was looking at numbers this morning. Um, about two million undocumented undocumented immigrants have, have come to this country. Amazing. Um, you know, there's uh, I think about twenty thousand right now currently in El Paso um, uh, coming over from Central America. Um, and part of the problem, as you know, is that uh, the visa um, asylum process of our country uh, hasn't been hasn't been updated in, in a long time. And so you have a lot of folks here who, who, who frankly, don't have any credible claims, you know, for asylum. 
but know that once they get here, um, the process takes so long for us to process, you know, who's coming here legitimately, who's not, um, that, you know, they basically stay here um, and, and, and are able to, to, to work and live. And, and that's just not sustainable. We, we gotta get a better uh, a way, a better handle of figuring out who should be in this country here and who shouldn't. And that's what's driving so much of what's happening in the in the border. Okay, so I know Americans for Prosperity aren't just people who say, we've got a problem on the border, and then offer no solutions. You all offer solutions. Let's talk about some of those solutions. Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the big things is, um, is, is this asylum process that I was just uh, mentioning. One of the things that we're looking at is a, is a framework. It's not even a, a bill, really. Um, but Senator um, Tillis from North Carolina, Republican, of course, um, Senator Sinema, who used to be a Democrat, now an independent, uh, are leading um, negotiations in Washington. Um, and, and part of what they're looking at is, is one, is, is providing some resources to, to the border. So we're talking about 25 to $40 billion uh, dollars, um, that, would, that would help um, the Border Patrol agents better secure our border, better process folks coming in. Um, they would be looking at creating you know, a, a process centers um, so that, again, we can, we can quickly uh, look at asylum cases um, to make sure, again, you know, figure out who, who wants to come, who actually has legitimate claims for asylum and who, who, who don't. Um, and then, um, and, and that's just one of the big things that's missing right now is that we, we don't have a good system in place to figure out um, who's coming in, who's coming out. So it's something we're looking at, uh, you know, like anything, it's not perfect. Uh, but um, this idea of, of just not doing anything, of just kind of, you know, talking about what's wrong and, and pointing out, you know, all these numbers, but then not actually solving something. Um, I think that's what's frustrating so many Americans across across political lines, and, and even as you mentioned from the start, um, across um, you know, uh, you know, Hispanic and non-Hispanic lines, I and mean, just Americans are fed up with what's happening. All right, so let me jump in here. You par- you're part of the Libre uh, Project that uh, mm-hmm. the folks uh, from Americans on Prosperity have. We've opened up a chapter. Ryan uh, had gotten that started up in North uh, West Arkansas. Explain what the Libre uh, uh, situation is all about, what you're yeah. all trying to do. Well, I think, you know, one of the big things uh, that we're trying to do is is that we're all about empowering um, Latinos, empowering Hispanics, so that they can live out their version of the American dream. And, and, and as you know, that's very different from, from what the other side offers, which is uh, bigger government, you know, how do we, um, you know, expand uh, the welfare uh, safety net um, and, and really just, you know, make you dependent of the government to get ahead. And, and what we're doing is we're changing that dynamic so that folks, you know, are able to learn English, uh, take civic classes, um, you know, essentially um, learn about what makes our country special. Um, you know, I'm an immigrant myself, and, and, and I'll tell you, that um, you know what we have here is is is, is unique. It's, it's it's exceptional. It's special, and it's important that folks who come to this country recognize you know why is it that we have opportunity? Why is it that we have economic opportunity here? Um, and that's the kind of stuff that we talk about. Um, and then eventually, you know, the idea is that you know we start um, uh, educating folks to the point where they start taking action uh, and start and start talking to the lawmakers and demanding the right policies in place in Washington uh, and at the state level so that folks uh, are able to, to live and to prosper and to save 
uh, money and, you know, again, live out their version of the American dream. And so we're really excited about what's happening in, in, in Northwest Arkansas. And uh, we, we're just the, the type of enthusiasm and support we're seeing is, is pretty remarkable. All right. We're, co- we're closing in at a quarter till seven. Let's take a break. Then we'll come back, finish it up. What is it going to take for both sides to come to some kind of an agreement on this so we can move forward? And, and we'll talk about that when we get back. Uh, we'll talk to Israel about this and Americans for Prosperity. We're talking about the border. Things are bad at the border. They're saying if uh, this 42 goes away, that we could see uh, as many as nearly 15,000 uh, illegals uh, coming across the border every week that's an incredible incredible number and i'm i'm i stand upon the statement i made if you don't have a border there is a time that's coming when you will not have a a country uh east end towing they want you to know they're ready to help you if something happens and you're on find yourself on the side of the road on the shoulder uh whether you're driving a car or a truck whether you're driving a car and you're pulling a trailer and something happens to the trailer or maybe you're pulling uh, a camper and something happens there or maybe you you drive that big camper that you've got and something goes along with that they've got the uh, uh the uh, devices to help you get off of the highway and get you towed to the place that you want to go, not to where they want to take you. So give them a call if you run on uh, run into problems on the road. East End Towing, you can reach them at 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. I have personally used them twice. I have been very happy with the service that I've gotten. That's East End Towing. to do their job. Return each weeknight with Louis R. Abalone and Stephen Parr from 6 to 7 p.m. on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Still 52 degrees here in the Little Rock metro area here at 647 this morning. Let's get a look at your traffic report real fast. Nothing Two major going on this morning. There's a little bit of a backup uh, before you cross the River Bridge on I-30 as you're coming over to Little Rock. But other than that, really clear this morning. Hasn't really picked up just yet. And it is outside. A little bit of rain outside, a little bit of fog. So please be careful on the roads as you're headed to Little Rock this morning. That's a look at your traffic report. Let's go ahead and get back to the Dave Elswick Show. 501-823-0965. The Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM. The Answer. Why am I playing this? Israel, you're probably wondering, what's else, why is he playing <laughs> the Bee Gees right now? Well, today is the day in 1977 when Saturday Night Fever opened at the cinemas, and it was a huge, huge hit, and it changed the music in our culture for, uh, for several years, and thank God it didn't go on forever, but it did change a lot of things uh, during that time. I, I liked what Gene Shalit said about John Travolta uh, in his part. Uh, in Saturday Night Fever, said he danced like a peacock on amphetamines. 
All right, let's get back. Uh, you gotta have you gotta have something to smile about, right, Israel? Yeah, <laughs> that uh, that'll make you I smile, like John Travolta, <laughs> Peacock on amphetamines. Anyway, let's get back talk about the border. Border is not good. The border is in trouble, and it keeps getting deeper and deeper in trouble. We got less, we got less people on the border to protect the border. People that are on the border doing the job because they can't do their job. They're just became, becoming name takers and things of that nature. Are committing suicide. I think there was four last month. Uh, that committed suicide. This is this is terrible times right now. I didn't think it could get any worse, and it has. It has definitely gotten worse. With that in mind, what is it going to take for the two parties to figure out what we need to do to make this work? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and I think, uh, it, frankly, it, it comes down to, um, to to just coming to the middle. Uh, you know, both parties have to recognize that they're not going to get everything they want, um, and that's really been at the at the heart of why we haven't been able to get anything done. And and I think that uh, you know, going back to that legislative framework that I was mentioning um, a few minutes ago, um, you know, it, it's not perfect, but it does it does provide both both sides an opportunity to say that they that they won. E- even though, I mean, I should point out. An overwhelming majority of Americans um, support um, some of the key provisions in this bill because what it basically does it's a framework of uh, providing resources to, to the border, so securing the border, uh, and also looking at um, a, a specifically dreamers, looking at at folks who are, as you know, you know they, they were folks that came to this country at a very young age. They weren't, you know, they didn't come here illegally in the sense that they, they didn't know right from wrong. They were minors. Um, and these are folks who are overwhelmingly um, either working in school, um, who, who have, who have uh, you know, not broken any any laws in this country. You know, criminal. You know, they have to go through a criminal background check. Um, and again, this is overwhelming majorities of Americans uh, think that we should do something to make sure that dreamers, um, you know, can stay and, and work here without having to fear deportation. And so, look again, this is not a perfect framework, but um, you know, both sides, you know, can say that they they got something done on immigration. And so, and that's and that's what we're driving. You know, we're, we're driving lawmakers to come together, come to the middle. Uh, figure out a way to to at least begin the process of fixing our immigration system. This this legislative framework will not fix everything, uh, but but this idea of just kind of putting our our, our heads in the sand and, and just you know kind of you know just just not not trying to do anything. Um, it, it's why so many Americans are, are are losing faith in the in the institution of Congress when when nothing gets done. Yeah, you know Reagan. I think wanted to come to some agreement with the Democrats, although I feel in his term when they did try to do that, that uh, Chucky Schumer and kind of snookered the president at the time. He said that they would they would bring some order to the border and they did not. And, uh, you know, the president at that point became kind of uh, calcified on what he would do along the the border. It just seems to me with all of the computer power that we have and all the rest of the things that we uh, have in our hands, if we would upgrade and we would get uh, that material uh, where we can put the people's names into a system that we can follow it, 
that we can uh, we can get this border under control. I mean, we know that there are certain people that we need here to come to the United States to help fill right. uh, fill jobs that we need to get filled and things of that nature. You you go down along the you know t- the the border of Texas and and Arizona, and they'll tell you they need field hands. They got to have those mm-hmm. people come across. That's right. So there's got to be an answer to this, and it sounds like to me it's. I don't know if it's ego or it's just, you know, people just don't, they, they want to use it as a political ploy more than they want to yeah. get it solved. You know, I just, I'm tired of it, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I've been I've been down on the, the Arizona border, and, uh, and it's terrible, not only for what's going on for our country and the, and mm-hmm. the people who live along the border, but for the people who are coming here from, uh, from different nations who see uh, America as, you know, as Reagan said, that, that bright, shining city on the hill. That's right. Yeah, no, that's right. I, I, you know, I, I've, been, I've been in D.C. for 20 years. You know, I, I know the folks have been here a lot longer, but I, I feel like I've been talking about this for 20 years as well, and, and it, it's frustrating that, you know, nothing's getting done. Uh, but to your point about why it's not getting done, I do think that part of it is that some, some politicians know that it's politically advantageous to continue having this issue, um, uh, you know, in limbo and not getting done. Uh, and I do also think that it's ego. It, you know, um, it, it kind of remind me what happened in uh, in 2012 when this whole uh, Dreamer DACA thing was happening. Uh, you had President Obama at the time who saw that some Republicans were going to do something uh, about the the Dreamers DACA issue, and instead of working with Congress, you know, and 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 uh, trying to get something done, uh, what President Obama did in 2012 was, you know, there was an election around the corner. And he did this executive fiat, you know, to do something with um, the, the dreamer population. Uh, and so um, so it, it, it does come down a lot to ego. You know, I want to get the credit. I don't want the other side to get any of the credit. I want to I want to use it. And that's why, you know, again, we find ourselves in the situation we're in. Um, the, again, the numbers are, are staggering. You know, again, two million people, uh, at least, as we know, have come to this country um, this year alone. Um, there's, like I said, 20,000, 25,000 or so currently in El Paso. We've got to have a better way to do this, to process folks and, 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 and again, figure out, you know, who poses a national security threat, who does not, who wants to contribute. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's what we're pushing here in Washington is, to, is for folks to come up with, with, with good policy proposals. Is it going to have to be just done in really tiny baby steps? Is that what's going to have so. to happen? I think so. You know, again, I've been doing this for a long time. And I remember when, um, you know, back in 2013, you know, there's um, there's these big, you know, thousand page bills that um, just, you know, there was so much stuff in there. You know, we had this sort of comprehensive approach and and it just it just became unworkable. So I do think that you look at narrow things, you know, we're looking at you mentioned earlier about, you know, different things. you know, workers we need. Uh, there's an agriculture bill that we're looking at that would would look at ag workers. Um, so, and that's where you have bipartisan support. You know, both parties agree that, you know, we need certain types of workers. And so I do think, I do think the incre- incremental, the, the bite-sized approach might be the better way to do it. All right, final question for you. What do the conservatives need to do to convince the folks that are on the other side that are Hispanic that were really looking out for their best interests? I think it's a reminder that this is a, 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 an exceptional country. It's a country of opportunity, of, of freedom. Um, why, and, and for that to continue, 
uh, we should support policies that that will allow future generations to live in in a land of freedom and opportunity. We should not be supporting policies that will recreate the economic conditions that so many immigrants like myself fled from to come to this country. All right. Israel, we want to thank you very much for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show today. It's a tough, tough nut to crack, I'm telling you. It really is. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. We'll uh, get back to that topic at another time. We've got uh, Joe and Duck coming in at the uh, beginning of uh, next uh, hour, for the hour, in fact. And I don't know exactly what's coming up in the final hour. I've got uh, some feelers out. We'll see if somebody reaches back and says, yeah, Dave, I want to come on and talk about that. Because there's some issues I want to talk about. But if not, I'll talk about them and we'll have a discussion about them here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Just heard that, heard the word from that time. It was bitching. <laughs> that makes me laugh. That just makes me laugh. All right, we'll be waiting. We're waiting uh, for uh, Congressman Hill to give us a call. I told you Joe and Duck were coming, and I, I got a, a day ahead of myself. Today is Wednesday. It's hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday than we were on uh, Monday. And I want to talk to the uh, congressmen, uh, both of them, about uh, what uh, is going on here in the last couple of weeks of uh, the Democrats holding sway in Congress and uh, what the two sides are talking about as far as the budget goes. Because let's face it, the Democrats haven't had a budget yet. They don't have a budget. It's that simple. No budget. You know, they, they just do it as they go along and uh, spend money as they see fit. So I want to see what they're... What they're seeing fit for the last uh, for the the this uh, this next uh, session, uh, you know, we started the new budget in October, and it will end in October of next year. So I'd really like to know uh, what they're they're looking to do before the uh, you know we get there. And I'd like to know what they intend to do between January and, and October. So uh, we'll get to talking to the congressman about that and see what's uh, what's going on as far as that's concerned. Uh, let me catch up on a little bit of news before uh, the congressman gets a hold of us. Uh, inflation slowed in November. The government reported uh, continuing a gradual decline since price hikes peaked across the U.S. this summer. The uh, Consumer Price Index rose 7.1% over the last 12 months. The Labor Department said lower than the uh, 7.3% increase economists had expected uh, and uh, the slowest rate of inflation since December of, of 21. Still way too high, okay? that that That's the federal government painting it in the most, you know, positive picture than they possibly uh, can. Uh, New York Post saying Biden has signed some of the largest spending bills in U.S. history, arguing that they were needed to keep the economy afloat and ultimately could reduce some consumer costs. Have you seen it? Anything go down in price? I haven't. Everything's gone up in price, uh, including by improving transportation and energy efficiency. Last year, Biden signed a $1.9 trillion stimulus bill uh, that uh, 
passed without Republican support and a $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure law. This year, he signed a $280 billion bipartisan Chips and Science Act, a $437 billion environmental and health care spending bill, and a $270 billion veterans health care bill. Man doesn't know when to stop spending. And you're looking at all of that. We haven't even talked about the millions upon millions and, in fact, billions of dollars that have been sent over to the Ukraine. So, and, and by the way, I got that right here saying that the United States finalizing plans to send the uh, Patriot Missile Defense System to Ukraine. That's a decision that could be announced as soon as uh, the end of this week. Uh, Ukraine has asked its Western partners for air defenses, including U.S.-made Patriot systems, to protect it from the heavy Russian missile bombardment, including against its energy infrastructure. Uh, ground-based air defense systems such as Raytheon Technology Corps Patriot are built to intercept incoming missiles. And uh, where is that it built at? Oh, yeah, Arkansas. It's built in Arkansas. So uh, they're making a little bit of money. That's not a bad thing as far as that goes. And uh, let me just, um, there was another story that I had. Where is it? Um Oh, fear-mongering going on. What a big surprise, fear-mongering on climate change. Uh, And that's AOC's uh, documentary. Uh, Daily Wire reporting a climate change documentary aimed at promoting Green New Deal initiatives and featuring uh, Congresswoman Cortez uh, gave new meaning to the term box office bomb with with its uh, dismal opening weekend. The total box office haul... For opening weekend, are you ready for this? You're going to love this one, Aaron. How much money do you think that this uh, uh, documentary pulled in for the weekend? Too much. $9,667 at all the theaters that it opened at. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Let's get to uh, Congressman uh, uh, <laughs> French Hill. want to bring him on today. How about that? That's a real winner for, for AOC, huh? Less than $10,000 opening for her documentary. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I think I had laundry to do, so I missed it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of anything uh, less interesting, but... Uh, I think uh, last night was, I think it was last night, also Nancy Pelosi's daughter has put out a documentary filmed about her mom. And so the Washington Post was just buzzing with how wonderful that's going to be. Oh, boy, I can't. I can't so miss that, that on one. Your, put that on, oh, you, I know. Put that down on your streaming list. Uh, <laughs> You know, for the holidays. Yeah, I'll be I'll be watching it. You know, I will, Congressman. I'll be watching <laughs> with some, it with some hot buttered rum. I'm sure. <laughs> That's the only way I could take it. To be honestly, all right. Let, let's talk. Look, the the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, I just got a big uh, deal from the Hill. Of course, the Hill, not mm-hmm. the bastion of conservatism. Lawmakers agree on framework for government funding. Let me just read this first paragraph. Just days before a deadline that would have triggered a government shutdown, 
lawmakers have struck a much-anticipated deal on a framework for a so-called omnibus spending bill to fund the government for fiscal year 2023. Congressman, will you vote for an omnibus? Uh, I will not. And I was, uh, I have to tell you some of the, the facts here. The reason why House Republicans want to uh, extend that continuing resolution to sometime in early, you know, February, for example, and let us take the lead on it is because of this avalanche of spending you and I've talked about since the pandemic. Spending this year, just straight up before the CHIPS Act, before Inflation Reduction Act, before, before forgiving student loans, these are all Biden priorities, <laughs> is up 25% more than 2020. Uh, it's, we're spending, you know, $1.7 trillion in the CR right now. Uh, over the 2020 appropriation was $1.4 trillion. That is all plussing up all this pandemic spending, making it permanent, and then Biden adding American Rescue, trillion dollars. Infrastructure, trillion dollars. Chip back, less than a trillion dollars. Inflation Reduction Act, six $700 billion. And so when you look at it, we are spending uh, an, oh, an amazing amount of money. We're not going back to any pre-pandemic approach. And even if you adjust it all for inflation, it's still half a trillion dollars. Yep. Uh, so anyway, that's why we're pushing to not support the, the omnibus, which has, by the way, another $100 billion in it of unmarked uh, up, money, meaning it didn't go through any committee, just parachuted into the bill, from what I hear. Obviously, we have not read it. They're going to be working on it the next few days. Okay. So, bottom line is this. You all would like to push this into the next year when you get control of the Congress and you can change some of this spending, is what you're saying. Right. Right. And at least our voice in the House would be for, you know, uh, a much more fine-tuned number, not just adding. We recognize the impact on inflation <laughs> created by the Biden administration producing more spending, which creates more inflation. I mean, we see the circular chaos of this, but we'd like to have the opportunity to pitch our own budget, which will be a very challenging thing to do. I didn't say it was easy. I just said it's better than taking this Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden on the spending. So how are things going internally with the Republicans dealing yeah. with the speakers being chosen and things of that nature? Yeah, so uh, that continues. Uh, you know, we're meeting uh, frequently. We're having a lot of one-on-one member meetings uh, with uh, our colleagues to make sure uh, what their our, their desires are. And look, 85 plus percent of the House Republicans want McCarthy to be the leader on January 3rd. There is no runner-up candidate. There's no candidate that even has 50 votes. Right. Uh, And the people who have been opposed to Kevin McCarthy can't say why. They don't have a reason why. They might say, well, I don't like him. He did something wrong to me. He's not tough enough pushing it back against Biden. You know, whatever. They might have a random reason. But the point is they don't have a concrete reason, and they don't have an alternative candidate that anyone in the conference uh, can uh, rally around. So uh, right now, I think uh, 
Kevin can assemble those votes, and he's, look, he's handled it just right. He's meeting with every member one-on-one. He's spending lots of time talking through uh, any ideas people have to improve our rules inside our caucus or the rules on the House floor, and that work continues. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk more. Talking with Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We had something really special happen over the weekend. Uh, Artemis came back from its trip around the moon and uh, the new the new uh, uh, capsule. That was a big win for the Americans, and it's especially important now that we know that the Chinese want to beat us to the moon. So we had to beat the Russians first. Now we got to beat the Chinese. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 19 minutes after 7. Don't forget about our folks at PI Roofing and Home Solutions. You need some kind of work done around your house dealing with construction? Turn to Joel Johnson's crew at PI Roofing. You think they do roofs good? Wait till you see the construction that they'll do around your house. You know, the jobs that you probably want done around your home, construction-wide, like the one I'm getting done in the springtime dealing with my uh, my deck, that's it, not a big job. I mean, it's a job that's going to cost a few thousand dollars, but it's it's not. A, I think that's a big job. As far as construction companies go, that's, a, you know, a little bit of water in a bucket. So they don't want to take it on if they're a major construction company. But PI Roofing will, and you'll get the kind of job done that you want to get done. You give them a call, 501-707-3115, or visit them online, piroofing.com, and get the kind of construction you need done around your home. Arrived at the border? This is all the Republicans' fault. They have politicized illegal immigration. But wait a minute. Isn't that what Newsom just did himself? You can't blame Republicans for the problem when all they're doing is asking the Democrats in the Biden administration to do their job. Return each weeknight with Louis R. Avalone and Stephen Parr from 6 to 7 p.m. on 101.1 FM, The Answer. It's 53 degrees here in the Little Rock metro area here on 101.1 The Answer. Let's get a look at your traffic report at 721 this morning. And right now, the biggest thing going on is the eastbound lane in on I-30 headed northeast from Bryant. There's a lot of congestion there around the Alexander area, and things are starting to pick up there as well on Reynolds Road. And up in Jacksonville, north of Jacksonville, on the westbound lane coming south on 167, there's a lot of congestion there coming uh, from the northeast from Cabot as well. That's a look at your traffic report. Let's go ahead and get back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. i got to ask you, uh, Congressman, uh, we have been celebrating today is the anniversary of Saturday Night Fever opened in 1977. Uh, what color was your leisure suit? Well, I didn't have a leisure suit, but uh, I remember I saw that in the news this morning. I remember vividly who I went to the movie with and uh, how every uh, I was in college in 1977 and every every party on campus was caught up with Saturday Night Fever. It was it was a fun time. It was it was definitely a fun time. But, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was. It's like it's so interesting to me uh, how you know disco swept 
that period and and people say well i hate disco music but they that didn't stop them from going to every bar and dancing all night that's exactly right (laughs) that's exactly right i'll uh remember gene shallot the uh, movie critic yeah of course yeah okay gene you know with his big fro that he had he's got sam got sam bankman free paired it (laughs) (laughs) so bottom line gene shallot said of the john travolta's performance that he looked like a peacock on amphetamines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Yeah. That's true. He yeah, he was, he was, he had the strut. But I go back now uh, and watch that movie and it, it doesn't do anything for me. No. In other words, I, it doesn't, the soundtrack is one thing. Uh-huh. But the film is just, uh, it just feels like a, a total dud looking at it. 50 years later, but anyway. Well, just for you, when we go out at the bottom of the hour to go to the news, we'll play uh, Disco Inferno. How's that sound? I I love it, because (laughs) we're burning burning taxpayers' money here as fast as possible. Yeah, that's the truth. That is the truth. Okay, so let me ask you, how did you feel when you saw the uh, uh, Orion capsule set down in the Pacific over the weekend? I just thought it was a renewal in that that spirit uh, that we grew up with because we grew up with uh, the space program is an enormous part of our lives uh, and uh, it's so inspirational I think for this generation and look I love seeing uh, the private sector so much more out front engaged mm-hmm. in this with NASA as a manager contractor organizer as opposed to every everything being a hundred percent government employee and I think we're getting the innovation that we always wanted in space and this is an important part of uh, of the future to develop the ability to, to live on the moon, and uh, that's what's coming next before we go to Mars. Well, the last time that we went to the moon, it was to beat the Russians. It looks like this time it's to beat the Chinese. Yeah, I mean, you have to, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy, one of his uh, principal objectives for the new Congress is a select committee on China, and that's not to put down China. It's really a select committee on the CCP and their strategy. Mm-hmm to defeat the West, and I say that militarily, diplomatically, financially, and very much in technology and space. And so that's going to commence in the first year, be bipartisan. But it's really, as I say, let me emphasize, it's to counter the CCP's strategy against the West. It's not, we're not down on China, down on hardworking Chinese citizens and the greatness of that great country for 5,000 years. Uh, But the CCP has pivoted, and they are now uh, seeking to dominate Western values, the Western economy, and and so I think that'll be important, and space will be a key element. Well, if it's the uh, Communist Party that wants to be part of it, they got to do it now because their people are starting to get fed up with the way they're running that country. And then the last question with you about Sam Bankman fried uh, and the whole fraud thing with FTX. Uh, did you find it interesting that the, uh, the, 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 the government decided to bring forth uh, these uh, indictments to kind of hold things up that were going on in front of uh, uh, Congress? Yeah, I have two thoughts about that. First, uh, why would they not want Sam Bankman fried to testify under oath in Congress before they release uh, full indictments up at the uh, Southern District of New York or the suit that's now been filed here by the Securities and Exchange Commission. You'd think they want to hear what he has to say under oath uh, 
But either he was, they got wind of him planning a flight risk or some other strategy, and so they preempted it. Uh, we didn't have him testify, but I know we'll hear from him in the future. The, the uh, testimony yesterday was just devastating at the fraud ring that he did. And this is the 14th anniversary of Bernie Madoff's fraud. Uh, but Bernie Madoff's customers, I think 70 or 80 percent of the people have recovered their money in this Bankman Freed deal. One million, repeat, one million potential creditors are what they have found in the books and records. Wow. That's a lot now, of is, people. This is enormous. It's global. And I think the U.S. government will end up being a creditor, obviously, for taxes unpaid. Did you happen to watch any of that press conference on television about how they were all patting themselves on the back that we caught him doing all of this? And if they had been paying attention, this wouldn't have happened in the first place. Right. I I think fully under the uh, Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, or the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, there was where he was all over town passing out campaign contributions and going to meetings, they had a feel for exactly what he was setting up. There are existing laws that it could have blocked uh, these big losses. And so that's another aspect of Congress's investigation. Well, you guys are going to have a lot to look at when you take control on January 3rd. Congressman, thanks a lot. We'll do this one more time for the year. Next Tuesday after that, hey, got to tell you what. Uh, we got a new year to look at. Have a great day. Is, but we're going to be sitting by the fire watching AOC. See you mm-hmm. later. Get ready. Bye-bye. All right. Back with you. We're waiting to hear from uh, Congressman Westerman. I see the phone ringing. That means he's probably calling in. And I got several questions for him as uh, the uh, Republicans get together and and uh, caucus uh you know, the rest of this week. And one of the things that they're caucusing about, uh, Congressman uh, Westerman, is a big omnibus bill that the Democrats want to pass. Uh, do they have enough uh, votes to get it through without any Republicans voting on it? Uh, that's a good question. You know, we don't we don't know what's in the bill yet. So, um, you know, we haven't got the normal 4,000 page bill with six hours to read it before time to vote so uh, i don't know what uh, pelosi is cooking up on her side but i sure hope we can uh join together and not vote for it on the republican side well um, you, i was just talking to a congressman hill said you all would like uh, you all being the republicans would like to push this into next year where you can have some say into what's going down oh absolutely the best thing we could do just get a continuing resolution that got us passed the, the first of the year. But you've got a bunch of retiring Republican senators that are just pushing really hard to spend an additional $90 billion. The, the problem is the Democrats are wanting to spend 130 or $40 billion. So, um, you know, my position on it is just trying to push back and say, no, uh, we don't need to be spending any more than we spent last year. Um, you know, I saw an article yesterday. We had one point or four point nine trillion dollars in tax revenues, which was twenty one percent more than we had the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not an income problem, but the problem is we spent over six trillion last year. Uh, so it's it's just maddening the amount of money they want to spend and all the junk they try to put in these bills right here at the last minute. Uh, so I know McCarthy's 
Uh, we, he's pushing back on it. We had a conference meeting yesterday, and you know he said he's doing everything he can to stop it. Uh, and I just hope that no Republicans will vote for it, and they can't get it out of the House. Uh, but uh, the, the problem is, is when they when they can't get enough votes, they start putting more stuff in it to get more votes. Yeah, so, you know sometimes it makes it worse uh, when you hold out because they're trying to. Um, you know, get more of their people on board. When's Christmas break start, uh, con- uh, Congressman? Um, we were supposed to be here through tomorrow mm-hmm. and then not be back until the next uh, Congress starts on January 3rd. But what I'm hearing is going to happen, we're going to do a continuing resolution today that goes to December 23rd. So Pelosi will have us back up here next week with um, you know Christmas looming around the corner, and she'll put this um, pile of you know what out there and say you've got uh, got to vote on this or the government's going to shut down. Oh my! I mean, the twenty third is a Friday for goodness sakes. Yeah, and um, that's just the way she is. I will not be sad to see her out of the speaker's chair. Yeah, I can I can imagine. So how goes it for? Uh, the election of the Speaker for the House. Uh, are things slowing down a little bit? Or are the people who have been saying, I won't vote for McGarner, you can put me over in a corner over there and put a gun to my head and I will not vote for him? I hope we're making progress in that category, and I hope people who are taking that position will will look at the big picture and see that our country's at a, a desperate point. And we're the we're the ones that are here that can stop what Biden's doing. We can stop um, the stuff that Schumer will be pushing. We'll we'll be able to, um, you know, take Pelosi out of the Speaker's chair and and have McCarthy there. And it's it's really important that we come together on January third and and get that done. I've been having meetings with people. I got some meetings scheduled today. Um, talking to people, trying to figure out what it is they need and how we can uh, get the rules in a, uh, such a condition that they feel comfortable with it. But the, the problem is it's kind of like a moving goalpost, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure they, they know what they want or, or what they think we need to do to, to do things more differently. But I will say this, that um, McCarthy has been overly generous working with people, you know, having... Uh, one-on-one meetings with people, hearing their ideas. Um, I I met with a, um, some folks that what they wanted was the ability to get their bills on the floor without having to go through the rules committee. You know, they wanted to take the rules committee away, which what, what I found, these are usually newer members that were here while Pelosi was speaker, so they think that that's how the House runs when you got a Republican speaker. Um, so they just want to do away with the rules committee. Uh, but I've, I found this old rule from like 1909 where they um, they called it Calendar Wednesday, where the chairman of the committee could go to the floor on Wednesday and put a bill directly on the floor versus it going through the rules committee. Uh, so we're talking about reviving the Calendar Wednesday rule and bringing that back so that um, you know members have a, an easier chance to get their bills on the on the floor without having to go through the rules committee. And I know the 
you know that's stuff that most people I know don't really care about. Um, they're they're looking at the big picture. You know, how are you going to stop the Democrats? How are you going to get food prices lower, energy prices lower? What are you going to do about inflation? What are you going to do about all this? Uh, these things in the Biden administration that needs oversight. Um, and I think the last thing people want to hear is that you know, we're having to spend time figuring out how to create a rule so some member can get their bill on the floor uh, because they're, uh, they're not happy with the way the current process goes. Well, not, the, not only that, uh, Congressman, but look, the people who have been trying to throw monkey wrenches in this for the last few weeks – they understand they have nobody on their side, for instance, in the Freedom Caucus that can run for speaker and win it. Uh, I, I don't understand what their end game is other than to snatch, you know, uh, you know, defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out myself. You know, usually when you're uh, when you sit down with rational people and talk to them, they they can make a case for why they're doing the actions they're doing, but I have not yet been able to put two and two together on why they're continuing to, you know, push these issues. And uh, I was talking to Jim Jordan this morning. He's he's anxious to get Congress organized so he can get his Judiciary Committee up and operating and start, uh, you know, looking into the Department of Justice. Um, Jamie Comer from Kentucky, who's a going to be the chairman of the oversight uh, in, uh, committee. He's ready to get organized so we can start working. But until we swear a speaker in, the rest of us are just uh, treading uh, water. Elect of Cong- we're, we're members elect of Congress. And the, you know, the way the process works, the speaker's elected, the, the dean of the house swears the speaker in, and then the speaker turns around and swears everybody else in. But until we take that oath, we're we're not on the payroll. We're not. We don't have authority to organize committees, um, and we're just sitting dead in the water. So it's it's extremely important that we get through this, get the votes on January third, and and get things rolling. Yeah, be, every, and be done. Yeah, and ready ready to hit the ground running. That's the key. You only have so much time. Because uh, 2024 is going to take up all the oxygen in the room here in the near future. And uh, it's going to be tough to get some things done because everybody's going to say, well, what if such a person is, uh, you know, going to be our presidential nominee? I mean, you know how it works. I don't need to talk to you about it, Congressman. You only you got to hit while the grill is hot. Right. And you, you want to come out of the gate. Punching strong, and that's uh, you know we're still working to do that. Uh, I'm uh, deep in the throes of drafting a an energy bill. I sat down with Steve Scalise yesterday because he'll be the, the majority leader, and he controls what bills go to the floor. And we were looking at the calendar for next year, and you know when can we have this bill on the floor? How soon can we get it through committee? Um, you know, just working through the the process on that. And everything right now is it's you, know, you can't pick a date. You pick a date X weeks from when we organize our committees. Uh, so you know if that's January third or January fourth, then you start working from that point. Uh, but uh, you know there's a this is a big institution, a big operation. It takes a lot more planning and work to get things 
um, coordinated. You know, we've got so many major policy issues that we want to hit on, and there's only so much floor time. There's only so many days to have committee hearings and markups. Um, so you can't just, you know, go willy-nilly on it. You've got to plan it and and have a um, almost like a Gantt chart on when you're going to execute certain parts if you want to get stuff done before you're into election year. Uh, you know, we talk about the budget. Uh, I bet you every Republican up here would tell you we need to do something different on the budget. Well, the budget cycle ends on September 30th, which means to do the process, you have to pass a, a budget out of the House so you can start writing the 12 appropriation bills. We want to have um, regular orders. So we want to have hearings on those bills. We want to take them to the floor. We want to mark them up and send them to the Senate. Well, it takes a long time to do all of that, so it's it's imperative that we get organized and start moving forward. All right. um, but well, I can tell you the the planning is taking place, um, but you you have to get past these steps before you can start implementing the plan. All right, let's talk when we come back. I got to get a break in, then we'll come back and we'll talk about the Sam Bankman fried uh, uh, situation with FTX. And he's what says indicted, indicted. And why was he indicted when he was when we had him under oath and could have gotten him right in front of the, the committee that we wanted him to be and found out all the truth, perhaps, of what was going on with that big fraudster uh, sitting out there. We'll get that to talk about and other things as well. Our guest is uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. Let's get a quick break here, and then we'll come back and finish up our conversation with him. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Man, I can't tell you, you're at that point now that you're like two weeks out from Christmas. You've You've got to get the job done. Go see Eric. Stand there with Eric and talk to him. Let him show you all the great uh, jewelry he has, all that stuff that sparkles and get something that your uh, wife, significant other, is going to love to have on her hand or her neck, on her wrist, on her ankle, whatever. Get yourself some great stuff from Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. All right, back with uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman and uh, Congressman Sam Bankman-Fried, who's the guy from founded FTC, and we found out now the biggest Ponzi scheme pusher uh, since Bernie Madoff. Uh was indicted, and he was indicted just before he was supposed to be going in front of Congress where they'd have him under oath to get answers to all these questions. Do you, Does it make you scratch your head a little bit about what's going on there? Uh, absolutely. Right. So now he's not testifying in front of Congress. You would think the Justice Department would want him to be under oath talking, but there must be some reason they didn't want him under oath talking. Um, you know, it's no uh, it's no secret that he's been a huge donor to Democrats in Congress, uh, and it um, seems very coincidental that when he was about to testify in front of Congress and he was going to have to answer questions from Republicans, that the Justice Department steps in and uh, takes him away somewhere uh, so he's not testifying in front of Congress. So, you know, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or read too much into it, but that's just the simple facts of what happened. 
Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. All right, so I was reading in the Hill today. Yes, I do read that rag. But uh, the bottom line, they're saying that the lawmakers are agreeing on a framework for government funding that having to do with an omnibus bill. I know how you feel about omnibuses. Uh, I was talking to Congressman Hill about it. He said that there's several Republicans that are... Uh, getting ready to retire, and they might like to see some extra money spread over uh, their districts and might vote for the omnibus. What are you seeing right now? Well, that's, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but the, uh, the push is coming from Senate Republicans is what where I'm seeing it, and it's Senate Republicans that are t- retiring. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some of the same crew that voted for the um, the Marriage Disrespect Act last week. Uh, they're pushing to get all this stuff in a spending bill because they're leaving, and I guess they feel like the world owes them something. But I really hope that on the House side we can stand strong and, and unite against it. And, uh, of course, if, if even if all the Republicans in the House vote against it, if um, Pelosi can rally her troops, they'll, they'll pass it. That's what I was saying. You know, the scary part is if Republicans hold out and she's got Democrat holdouts, you know, the way she gets their votes, it just puts more stuff in the bill that they want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that is that is true. I mean, we've tried to get away from that bringing home the bacon philosophy, but uh, we haven't moved far enough away from it. I, I, I agree with you uh, on that. Last question for you. How did you feel about when you saw the Orion splash down over the weekend and about the American space program and about staying ahead of the Chinese? Yeah, we definitely need to stay ahead of the Chinese in every every area possible. Um, yeah, I guess it, the, the fact that we've been to the moon so long ago, um, it's not like a the cutting edge of new technology we know how to do that but uh the the way that we can do it now is obviously much more advanced uh, I, you know the other uh, innovation that i saw that came out is this uh, at lawrence livermore where they say they've got one step closer to fusion yeah um that's a that's a big deal if we can ever make that happen and, and happen safely but the the problem is you know, we don't have the materials to actually contain the heat that gets generated when you do uh, do fusion. So there's got to be a lot of advancements in material sciences and in engineering to figure out how you actually harness that energy that can be made when you do fusion. And every, everything I've read says that's probably at least two decades away wow. before we get to that point. But it is a uh, an exciting innovation. Uh, Sure would make if make energy ever, cheap. It could make could make energy cheap. Um, could allow us to produce a lot more clean energy in a uh, an affordable way. But you know, there's people who don't like conventional nuclear power. Uh, which one benefit of fusion is you don't get uh, radioactive waste from it. But there could be something else, some other side effects to it that we don't know about as well. So. Um, that's where America has been able to keep the edge in, in leading the world is in innovation and technology. It's why I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of investing government money into research uh, because that's 
that's how we stay ahead. We certainly don't have more people than China. Uh, I read one time that China has more uh, equivalent of National Merit Scholars than what the U.S. has students. So uh, we've got to keep that competition going and keep the innovation out ahead of All right, Congressman, have a great rest of your week, and we'll uh, touch base with you next week. Thank you very much for being on the Dave Ellswick Show. Congressman Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, it was this date in 1977, Saturday Night Fever, number one at the box office. Let's remember a little bit as we get to the news and move on. All right, let's get to the 9 o'clock hour, final hour to the Dave Ellswick Show for a hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, closer to Friday, then Monday day. And uh, good to have you along for the ride today. Uh, let's start off with President. President uh, is being on uh, the uh, on Twitter and all kinds of spaces today about something that he claimed yesterday. Yesterday was the big uh, signing of the Respect for Marriage bill uh, where they, uh, they bathed the front of the White House in rainbow colors. Uh, he was criticized by many for seeming to suggest it wasn't really just seeming. I mean, he'd he said this has been happening uh, to suggest that gay Americans were being expelled from restaurants and it was a widespread occurrence in 2022. <coughs> uh, during an event celebrating the passage of the Respect for Marriage Act on the South Lawn of the White House, Biden remarked, quote, when a person can be married in the morning, and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, this is still wrong. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't read any stories, and I would have covered them if I had, about gay people being tossed on their ear uh, out of any restaurant here in the United States. Now, with that said, I remember politicians being told and run out of restaurants because they were Republican and conservatives. Uh, That happened to, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She was basically hounded out of a a restaurant. Uh, Just happened a, a couple weeks ago, I think it's in Richmond, Virginia, a religious group was supposed to be having a meeting at a restaurant and then were told that they couldn't and the restaurant posted on their social media that the reason that they did it is because they weren't LGBTQ uh, happy people. You know, the religious groups, uh, this religious group uh, didn't uh, see eye to eye with gay groups. And so the uh, restaurant said, because we've got gay servers, you can't meet in our restaurant. So you have that. And I've heard conservatives being hounded out of restaurants. Uh, I've heard Republicans being hounded out of restaurants. But for the life of me, I have not heard of any gays being thrown out of restaurants. Have you have you heard that, Aaron? Have you heard that story? I've heard all the other stories, but I've not heard any gay people being thrown out of restaurants. No, I haven't heard that at all. That's 
I don't know where that's being tossed, but I have not heard that anywhere. It's being tossed in the vacuous areas of uh, the president's mind. That's where it's happening at. And then he's uh, saying it as though it's true. But look, he's been doing that for 50-odd years. Ever since that he's been started off as a congressman, went to being a senator, became vice president, became president, he said things that we know never happened, that he just makes up. And so here's another example uh, of that, making that kind of uh, stuff up. He just he just can't he can't get over himself. He really can. Believe it or not, he's only got a couple of weeks left to be governor of the state of Arkansas. And Asa Hutchinson has made Fox News today. Yes, he has. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson is considering a run for president in 2024. You know that. I know that. We've been talking about it for over a year. But he is not. But if he isn't the Republican nominee, he hopes the party will choose someone other than former President Donald Trump. And that's not a big surprise either. He's been talking down about Trump for a long, long time now. In an interview with the AP, Hutchinson warned having Trump represent Republicans in the general election would play right into the Democrats' hands. Quote, that's really the worst scenario, Hutchinson said. That's almost the scenario that Biden wishes for, but it is the one that Biden hopes for because he says, I can beat Trump. I mean, that's what the president says it all the time. I don't think he could, but he says he can. And uh, that's probably how he got elected the first time. It became, you know, a binary choice for the American people between the challenges that we saw in the Trump presidency, particularly the closing days, versus Biden, who he made it that choice. Hutchinson, in his second term as Arkansas governor, has been nearly ubiquitous on Sunday morning political shows in recent years, frequently appearing on CNN, a network that gained a reputation as being anti-Trump. He told uh, the AP he's currently trying to determine what kind of national support he might have and is consulting with fellow governors, members of Congress, and evangelical religious leaders. The Arkansas governor said the lesson he learned from November's midterm elections, in which the GOP nearly took control of the House but lost the Senate seat, was that Republicans need to present a bold agenda. Stop the presses! Our governor in office right now wants a bold agenda. Where was that agenda when he was governor? I just got to ask that question. That's why I'm excited about Sarah coming on, that we'll actually see a bold agenda. And that new voices that articulate what our country, our, our party stands for, the direction we want to take our country. Hutchinson blamed his party had an underwhelming showing due to poor candidates, poor messaging, looking back instead of looking forward. On the subject of looking back, he had some criticism for Trump's recent social media posts about the 2020 election, in which he suggested that such a massive fraud allowed for termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Hutchinson characterized that position as out of line and out of step with the nation. Hurts our country, Hutchinson said. I mean, 
any leader, former president, that says suspend the Constitution is tearing at the fabric of our democracy. And so we want to make sure that the people know that it's Republicans that support the rule of law. Trump is the first Republican to formally announce a 2024 campaign. But several others besides Hutchinson have been rumored to be possible contenders, including several from Trump's uh, administration, former Vice President Mike Pence, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley have all shown signs of possible running. In uh, 2016, Trump built a large lead in the primaries as other candidates in a large field split votes, allowing him to gain momentum and delegates. Hutchinson does not see the same thing happening again. Look, I I see it's going to be much more methodical this cycle than what we've seen in previous years. And I think that competition is good and it's healthy. So that's what... uh, uh, the governor saying now, USA Today reported by a two to one margin, GOP and GOP leaning voters now say they want Trump's policies, but they want a different standard bearer to carry them. While 31 percent want the former president to run, 61 percent prefer some other Republican nominee who would continue the policies Trump has pursued. They have a name in mind, and two-thirds of Republicans and those inclined to vote Republican want Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to run for president. By double digits, in fact, 56 to 33 percent, they prefer DeSantis over Trump. Byron York tweeting out, DeSantis up, Trump down. Two-thirds of Americans don't want either Trump or Biden in 24 Majority in GOP wants Trump policies, but with different candidate, DeSantis over Biden in the matchup. And if they ran against each other, the uh, uh, numbers that I saw earlier today was DeSantis 68 percent, Biden about 60 percent. So that's uh, the way that is breaking down at uh, this time. All right, we've got uh, 16 minutes after 9. Let's get a break in ourselves, and then i got other stories that we need to cover here in the last uh, hour. Make sure that you're ready uh, for today and things to be watching out. You want to be watching the Fed today. Fed looks like they're going to raise uh, rates again by, uh, you know, a half a percent. So we'll want to be, you know, paying attention to that. Uh, Pat Davis with Your Health Plan Man. Uh, says, hey, look, I got a powerful team for you. And he does. He's got a powerful team. Pat, he's got uh, Josh's son. He's got his son-in-law. He's got other people that are ready to deal with you and to help you have a health plan that uh, takes care of the things that are important to you and, uh, you know, will get you money for uh, going to the doctor. Uh, not not you paying the doctor, but the doctor paying you. That's that's exactly you heard my, me me right. And and here's what Pat would like you to do: give him a call and talk to him, and let him tell you about how he has saved thousands of dollars for other people, and how he can use the exact same plan to save thousands of dollars for you. I mean, thousands of dollars. That's that's for most of us. That's that's a lot of cash. 
And uh, you will want to do that. I wish I could. I can. I'm on Medicare now. I've been pleading with Pat to get involved in that. We'll see if that's been uh, going to help us uh, in the in the future. So please, I'm just telling you, please, please, please call Pat today and talk to him about this. You can call him. You can text him at 501-605-6935. That's, again, text or call him. 501-605-6935, and let him tell you how he can save you a bunch of money. That sounds like a win-win for me. Or you can just visit him on the Internet at yourhealthplanman.com. Man, I got to tell you what. You know, we play these spots on uh, spots, commercials, ads, whatever, here on the show, dealing with people who are... uh, you know, dying from fentanyl, just a little bit of fentanyl. Did you see this stuff on Fox News today? Have you been looking at it, Aaron? They got a video of a, a cop in Florida that made a, a traffic stop, and she stuck her head in the car, and evidently uh, the person who was in, the not the driver, but in the passenger seat, had some kind of drugs, and they were they were covered with fentanyl, and this cop got some of it. And when she was t- and she went completely unconscious, and by the time they got her to the hospital, they think that she was probably dead. They gave her Narcan and brought her back. Took three doses. Yeah, it's it's a really bad situation. This fentanyl stuff, and like you said, I did see the video and. It's uh, it's pretty pretty crazy just to see it happen, um, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those drugs that has just started sweeping the nation all of a sudden. You know, it it's it's not that old. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it's been around for a long time uh, on the underground side of things, but uh, I know in Arkansas that's it's really uh, began to be very popular um, to the. Uh, to all the people that sift drugs throughout the state because I've got a couple of good friends of mine that I graduated that are now police officers yeah. uh, in Jonesboro and uh, in the Hot Spring County area, and they deal with a lot of that stuff. And yeah, it's just, it was just amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the video as we're sitting here talking, and uh, she was conscious by the time they took her to the uh, to the emergency room. I'd read a story before where she had some serious problems uh, by the time she got to the hospital again. But the bottom line, you can tell she's dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nobody there uh, when they give her the first dose. I mean, that that's well, when you're and she had the gloves on the whole nine yards. So it was just some that she uh, asked, you know, she breathed in. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is in gas. Is it not? I mean, that's one of the ingredients to automobile fuel. Like, it's it's nothing to mess with. Yeah, I have no idea what, what it makes it up. I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at the, uh, the lady, and she is in – she went down a third time. They showed them and give it to her – they had to give Narcam to her a third time to save her life. Now, if our – you know, if the Democrat Party, because let's be honest, they're they're the ones that are in control. They got the House. Uh, they're sitting there with 
the Senate and they and they've got the White House and and pounds of this crap are coming across our border all the time and people are dying uh, by huge amounts. What is it? Last year, it was over a hundred thousand people passed away because of uh, of 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 the uh, fentanyl. Why aren't they doing something to stop it? They're doing everything they can, really, from what I know. And it's just, it's 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 obviously a very addictive drug, apparently, because the way they're moving it and the way it's being used and spread out there, it's just. It's just one of those. It's really, and it's really a sad thing too. Well, I, when I say stopping it, I'm not talking about the cops in Jonesboro or in uh, North Little Rock or whatever. I'm talking about on our border. I mean, hundreds of pounds of this stuff are coming across our border, and we refuse to stop it. We we, we just continue to refuse to stop it, and we're going to end up letting more and more people die. Uh, and it is just absolutely nuts, absolutely uh, nuts as far as what's uh, what's going on with that's, all of this. It's just another part of the border crisis that we're dealing we're dealing with here in America, unfortunately. Yeah, are we really dealing with it though? Yeah, that's true too. We talked about that earlier today, yeah. and prob- problem is that we are not dealing with it. That that's the bottom truth of all of that. All right, so Petraeus says Ukraine military readiness is our top priority uh, right now with our military. He says the uh, the vax mandate outrage is being kind of manufactured. He uh, was uh, talking about that, uh, and I and I don't know if that's the case or not. I just I just know this is that uh, you know we better make sure that our military is ready. I, you know, I worry about this wokeness crap that they're teaching military men and women. Uh, you know, what you should be teaching a military man or woman to do is to destroy their enemy because that's what the job for the military is all about. It is to get in there and destroy uh, your enemies. You're, that's what you're supposed to uh, go and uh, and do. That uh, that is your number one responsibility. At least it was when I was in the military. I mean, I I wasn't on the front uh, uh, line, so to speak. But if I had to go to the front lines, I could get out and, and uh, uh, use uh, the necessary uh, weapons that were. You know, needed to do that. Uh, nobody taught me that. Uh, you know, it's you. You need to know somebody's pronouns. That that was a second. That wasn't even talked about then. To be honest with you, and, and you know, your your goal was, Dave, and at the time I was in, is how many Russians can you kill? That is bottom line. But uh, what we were, what we were hired for, and what we were expected to to do. Now it's, you know, it could be Russians, but it very well might be Chinese uh, that you got to make up. And and any ten, you know, ten pot dictator out there uh, in a, in a country that thinks that they can, you know, push our country around or threaten our citizens. I mean, that is what the military is there for. It's not 
to change culture. And that's what uh, Biden's trying to do. Look, Biden yesterday signed that bill uh, that re- respect, I call it in the same way I heard the, uh, the congressman call it today, the disrespect of marriage bill. And, uh, you know, he had, he had drag queens at the White House. I don't know if they were performing or not. I'm just saying that they were there. I would never have one of those kind of people walk in in uh, the White House if I were the president. That just wouldn't happen because you're dividing the country by doing that. Your job as president is to try to pull us together so that we can meet the challenges of this country and move forward. That's not what Biden's doing. That's what he preaches, but as sure as hell is not what he walks. Doesn't walk that at all. He's a danger to the democracy that we have. He's he he and his party are the real danger to democracy in America. That's the bottom line. It's not the Republicans, it's not conservatives, it's not Christians, it is the Democrats and Biden himself. All right, let's take uh the news, and then we'll come back. We've got a few other things that we can deal with here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the woke culture out there. All right, let, let's talk a little bit about it. Let's talk about the new movie that's out that uh, uh, director uh, Darren uh, Aronofsky's uh, new movie uh, dealing uh, with uh, uh, obesity and gayness, okay? And it stars Brendan Fraser, who, by the way, a few years back has, uh, you know, taken it on the chin because he went to the uh, oh, the TV and movie critics awards, foreign presses awards, and, and said that some guy groped him and uh, he would never go back again. And he got attacked by the left. Oh, my God. God, the left attacked him unmercifully. And uh, now he's in this movie that critics are just going bonkers about. They like it, basically. But they can't like it too much. Okay, they can't like it too much. Let me go over this with you so you'll know. Uh, Mainstream critics are furious that a director would dare to portray obesity as a negative. All right, as a negative. Now, remember uh, that uh, Darren did some movies in in his past, uh, like Requiem for a Dream, that looked at, like, for instance, uh, drugs that uh, a lot of people use as, woohoo, isn't this cool? He looked at it and said, maybe it's not as cool as we think it is, and he looked at the negative side of it. And it won all kinds of awards. I don't, I don't know if the whale will do this or not. Uh, they'll never come out and say that explicitly, of course, is that he's showing obesity as a negative. Instead, the reviews of the whale starring Brendan Fraser are full of evasive criticism, claiming the director's uh, uh, passion project is a, quote, cruel spectacle. And that it helps to reinforce the dehumanizing ways in which many people understand fatness. I can't believe they brought themselves to even say fatness. 
I mean, that that's to say somebody is fat is like, I don't know, uh, saying that they're Hitler. Although you say people are like Hitler now, people say it all the time about everything, and it's lost any kind of uh, strength of word that it could have had. The movie portrays Frazier as a homebound 600-pound English teacher named Charlie who is slowly eating himself to death. It's revealed that Charlie is depressed following the death of his gay partner and copes with his emotions by binge eating. Like the director's previous effort, Requiem for a Dream, the film explores the subject matter with a uncomfortable, straight-on intensity. But while the director insists that he ha- insists that he handled the character of Charlie with compassion, that's not enough to assuage the uh, critics who fear some viewers will see overeating as a vice. Oh my, that they would see that it's not good for you? You got to be kidding me. How dare you tell people the truth? You should never tell people the truth. And uh, morbid obesity is less than ideal. I mean, I've I've been harping on this for years about how, uh, you know, everybody says uh, a lot of women go, they, they show all these women on these commercials and they're thin and they're they're beautiful and all of that. Why don't they show women the, the way they really are? And uh, that they're, you know, they're fat, all right? Men are fat, too. I mean, both sides have fat people. But God help us if we would say fat is not good. You go. You know what? When I see my doctor, one of the main things he says to me is, Dave, you could probably use to lose five more pounds. Well, for me to lose five more pounds... I will weigh less than I did as a senior in high school, okay? And I don't believe that I need to lose five more pounds. If I lose it, I'll lose it. I mean, I've lost a lot of weight over the last uh, about six years. I've lost about 60 pounds. And I, I've, I've done that because I knew that I was overweight. But to, 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 to look at people who are obese and, and, and way over fat and say, well, let's put them in our underwear commercials and let them uh, dance on television and stuff, when you know that that is unhealthy, amazes me. It really does. It amazes me. And that if you say it's unhealthy, somehow... Uh, you're a person that can't be forgiven for that. So uh, Fraser wears extensive body and facial prosthetics for his role, and the director resists the use of the term fat stu- uh, suit, explores the reality of Charlie struggling to perform simple tasks while fat in a way that's deemed exploitive and voyeuristic. It's not exploitive and voyeuristic for me. I mean, I can watch a really fat dude trying to tie his shoes and listening to him gasping for breath because he can't do it. I don't. That's not exploitive to me. That's unhealthful as I watch him do that. So what? You know, all of you people that are enablers out there, 
You need to quit being enablers. You really do. There's nothing wrong with telling your friend that they're fat, not pleasantly plump. There's nothing wrong with that. The truth is something that should be shared with people. And if you're friends with them, you definitely should be able to share it with them. Roxane Gay of the New York Times called it gratuitous self-aggregizing fiction. That was barely a step above the films of decades past that used fat suit clad actors as a punchline. I'm going to be okay. Dave at SalemLR.com. That's my website. That's my email. You can send me all the email you want to. But here's the truth. All right. You are a punchline. That's what you are. You are a punchline. Just that I'm sorry that that might hurt people's feelings. But better that your feelings be hurt than you die from being, you know, overly fat. That's something you can take care of. All right? And they go, oh, well, I, you know, I have trouble with that. Okay, I can understand you got trouble with it. But you've got hand-to-mouth disease. It's it's you can be treated. It's called eat less and eat healthier, and you can do it. But you've the, you're the one that's got to be wanting to do it, and not expect and other people to to get on people because they call you fat. Because the bottom line is you're fat. Dave Ellswick show. We take a break. Come back with more. Finish it up for a Wednesday. All right, let's finish it up here on a, uh, a Wednesday. Tomorrow, uh, Joe and Duck will be on. They'll answer some questions about cars. Uh, Jimmy's going to be on, uh, and, and you're going to want to hear what he has to say. He'll have some more stuff about what's going down in the Cabot School District and the big fight that's been going uh, on over there. And uh, they've been trying to make it look not so bad. I saw a story here recently. Uh, talking about all the things they're looking to get done uh, over in the Conway area. Let's finish it up. Uh, I haven't talked about it much, uh, but talking about the uh, four University of Idaho students who were killed inside an off-campus home uh, at the university there. Back on the, thir- the 13th, December 13th, marked one month. And we know very little about what's gone on there, except that they believe that the knife used in the murder was a fixed blade uh, K-bar style knife, and kind of like the one that you saw in Rambo. Okay, that's kind of the the, the knife that was uh, was used in these killings. Uh, Police are reportedly searching for it in connection with the violent murders of the four University of Idaho students. Uh, It's known to dull quickly and would have likely caused injury to the attacker. And that's why all of this forensic evidence they're getting uh, from Idaho, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at the blood and they can tell if there's a mixture of more than one blood in the samples. And if they know what the blood type was of the uh, the murder victims and they start finding a different type, it starts giving them a lead on what uh, the the perpetrator 
uh, might have been, who they might have been. Uh, this this uh, knife is known to dull quickly and would have likely caused injury to the attacker because of the physical force required, uh, That, according to an expert. Uh, police have said since early in the investigation that they're looking for a fixed blade knife that was believed to have been used in the November 13th quadruple homicide. The Idaho statesman spoke to a Moscow a building supply store manager earlier this month who said police had asked if the business had had or has sold K-Bar knives. The store does not sell them. Jonathan Gillum, a former FBI special agent and law enforcement officer, said the type of knife involved in the crime sheds light on the way in which the attack could have progressed. Gillum, who's also a former U.S. Navy SEAL, said he personally has experience with K-Bar knives, which he said dull quickly and are often used for survival-centric activities, such as uh, skinning the bark off a tree, digging a hole, or cutting leather. It's not going to be as thin and able to slice as any other knife, he said, and when you do get it sharp, it's just going to dull again just because of the nature of the fact that it's kind of a fat, Blade. I guess he can say it was a fat blade. He doesn't say it chubby blade or anything. Uh, the tip of the knife, he said, is known to break off. K-bar knives are more frequently used for cuts that involve thrusting motions instead of smoother motions. Now, we're talking about somebody using the knife. You're stabbing somebody. You're bringing, you know, you get the knife over your head and you're bringing it down on somebody and penetrating their body that way. Uh, you know, slicing through the air and cutting somebody open with it, probably not the best way to use it. Uh, thrusting is much more a physical activity at it. And so the more you do that, the more tired you're going to be. Gillum added that he expected that the killer would have shown signs of bruising or cuts on the underside of his or her hand. And as the blade gets duller, it also becomes more slippery. It's a uh, tremendous amount of effort that you're knowingly putting out for the purpose of killing. Gillum told Dr. Phil Monday uh, on his show that investigators would likely see a progression of smaller and smaller wounds on the victims as the killer carried out the attack, which likely grew more physical with each person. Tuesday marked one month since Ethan Champin and uh, Zena Canoodle, both 20 and 21-year-olds, Kaylee Goncalve and Madison Morgan were discovered fatally stabbed inside the girls' off-campus home. The victims' bodies were discovered uh, just before noon on November 13th, the home at 1122 King Road is located just one block from the University of uh, Idaho, uh, the campus near some fraternity houses. Officials have said they believe the victims were asleep when they were attacked between 3 and 4. By the way, that is the time typically that you're in your deepest sleep. Uh, when you 
launch an early morning attack on somebody between three and four is the, is the time that you'll pick because they're going to be at their at their most rim sleep time uh, each victim suffered several stab wounds and some showed signs of trying to defend themselves the homicides were carried out on the second and third floors Two other roommates were on the bottom floor of the home and were unharmed. Uh, the police officers responded around 11.58 a.m. to a report of an unconscious person at the address, but several people had gathered at the crime scene uh, by the time police had arrived, officials said. The 911 call originated from inside the residence came from one of the surviving roommate's cell phones. Multiple people allegedly spoke to the dispatcher before officers arrived. Police are analyzing 113 pieces of physical evidence and about 4,000 photos from the scene. They have also received more than 2,645 emails, over 2,770 calls, uh, the FBI has received more than 1,084 digital media submissions. Last week, police revealed they had received tips and leads about a white 2011 to, uh, to 2013 Hyundai Elantra spotted near the home uh, by the crime scene in the early morning hours of November 13th. They are seeking to speak with the person or people who were inside the vehicle and are asking the public for any information that they have. The Moscow Police Department is urging the public to submit any images of or in information considered important or useful to their investigation. And uh, authorities have also created a dedicated web page related to the King Road attack. So, uh, They've come a, a long way. They've got a lot of of information uh, there, but they haven't been able to weed their way through all of it. And uh, that's just a terrible thing. And I I got to believe there on the on the university, uh, there's people who live uh, off campus that uh, are very very nervous uh, there because you don't know if this was a an attack specifically on those people specifically on a type of person uh when they attacked or what so you know are you safe are you not safe um i hope that the people living off campus near uh near the campus have put deadbolts and things of that nature on their homes so that no one can uh, um, attack them unawares uh, in uh, their day-to-day living uh, situation. It's a bad, bad uh, thing going on there. And I know a lot of people want to have this solved because that's, hey, we're used to seeing all this stuff solved within 60 minutes, aren't we? You watch CI, you know, CIS, you watch NCIS, you watch all of those type of shows, and, boy, they get they get involved. They might have a, a two or three, uh, you know, episode arc on something but they get they get the bad guy fast and it's just not that way in real life i mean there's some things they use on those shows like they supposedly they can identify every type of tire ever manufactured they can't do that there's no such thing 
There is no such thing as that kind of a of a database that you can identify tires or the bottoms of people's shoes. Now, the way you identify a bottom of a person's shoe or even a tire would be, does it have some kind of cut mark on it or something that's unique to that particular shoe? Then you can say, well, see, this is the same shoe because that that mark right there, it's not there when that shoe is sold. But we can look at it and see that not only does the shoe have it, but all these other footprints do. So you know you're looking at the same shoe uh, shoe print. But a lot of the things that you see them do on those shows, it's, it's just not true. It, it, it's, let me just try to help you ease into this. It's TV, and they make stuff up. That's what they do. And uh, they, they lie to you. They make you think that this stuff happened. It doesn't exist. So uh, sooner or later, I would think that it, it they'll, get, they'll get a break in the case. Let me say, I watched a movie last night. I'll, I'll finish with this. It's called Prisoners. Watch it. Good movie. It's on Netflix. It was very, very good. Uh, it's done by uh, Dennis uh, Villanueva. He's the guy who directed Dune. Uh, he directed this movie. And it's got a fantastic cast in it. And it is a very good movie. I think you all would enjoy it. That wraps it up for today. I uh, appreciate it. you sitting around with me and talking a little bit and catching up on the news and things of that nature. Uh, we'll be back together again tomorrow morning. We'll start it at 6 a.m. right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.